everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 402, 100 Wings on Wild Card Weekend. Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined with my single co-host, Eddie, not single in marital status, single as he being the only one co-host left after Sam ditched us and ran away. I'm not married. So single in single in marital oh, right. status. Yeah, you're right. Relationship <laughs> so, status, not yeah. marital status. But uh yeah. Yeah. Is the next episode, is that when we transition back to joined as always is that where yeah okay yeah. two we'll episodes go back to just as always teething process sam yeah. gets a two episode recognition and then we completely forget and erase him from everything we've ever had on this podcast we're actually going to go yeah. back to previous episodes and just blank out when he speaks so it'll be 15 30 seconds of silence but don't worry that's not the podcast some episodes that wouldn't take a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's my Sam Burn for the day. Keep it going. But now, uh, yeah, and maybe Sam's somewhere off where continuing his transition. Who knows? Oh, is this a news alert? <laughs> no, Sam transitioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd out him. This is this is this you is already outed him in the first podcast we ever did. <laughs> couple weeks, couple weeks from now, Sam will be gone, but we'll be joined by our new co-host, <laughs> Samantha. Samantha. <laughs> uh, then he could just act like the Sex in the City, Samantha. Oh well, he kind of does in some respects. <laughs> He's a lush. <laughs> I, uh, sort of. Oh, we are still burning them pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, who knows? He's probably out in a picket line somewhere, you know, protesting on behalf of of Novak Djokovic. That's that's really why he's left. Novaks. Yeah, who continues for, we obviously discussed it on the last episode. Since then, Djokovic has got even more flack because the... As part of his medical exemption application for his visa, he applied. So I think the timeline works out that he applied on the 8th of December, I think it was, using this medical exemption that he'd had COVID. Then supposedly didn't have COVID at that point. Then got COVID at an event, went to an event on the 14th, I think it was, which is where a lot of people got COVID at the event. He was told that a lot of people got COVID. He did a couple of rapid tests and a PCR test, then didn't check his PCR result and went to an event with children, some award ceremony for kids, then found out that he did have COVID, then went to a photo shoot that he had booked with like keep where he did an a photo interview. shoot and, and, yeah, and, and an interview with no mask, but said he did social distance. But knowing at that point that he had COVID, he said and that was a mistake. Them. Yeah. yeah, he said that was his only mistake. I, I mean, this is what bothers me when people release stories like this is the fact that as you're trying to describe it, and I'm sure you've read the article two or three times, you're having trouble describing the actual 
events because they don't release all the information because they're clearly hiding something. If and then the athletes will go, well, I, you know, I really didn't do much wrong. Here's what happened. And they give you these pieces of a story, but not the complete story, because there's obviously more to it that they don't want you to know. And that's when you know something's fishy. Like I can tell you right now, he is doing shady, makes it sound like it's a really, really bad thing, but he's doing things that are probably unethical in this current COVID climate and doesn't want everyone to know the full story for sure. Otherwise you would tell someone the full story and it would make sense and you wouldn't have to kind of piece it together in your head and be like this, wait, what he did, then he did what? Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe it's, I call BS. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's led to a lot of questions from people, which is, so he lied on this original visa applications citing this medical exemption that he had COVID. Did he then intentionally try to get COVID in the days after that so that he could then qualify? He actually would have sort of at that point, the visa would have been a lie only in anticipation, but in actual fact, he would have met the requirements from a, from a medical standpoint. It's very weird. I also, he released a kind of official statement. I say, you know, it's like the usual thing where someone takes some screenshots of notes and then puts it on their Instagram and stuff, but where he keeps using the word misinformation that he's accusing, you know, which again, we've spoken about this in the past. There's now this, once you know you're on a certain side of a political argument, you can just use all of these kind of weaponized terms to talk about it. And for him saying, oh, it's all this misinformation, kind of alluding to this, oh, you know, main, like lamestream media out there trying to lie to us about vaccines and my my COVID status. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's not misinformation. The only misinformation has come from you. This is the whole issue. It's that you didn't tell the truth and then you got caught in it. And now you're trying to say that the rest of the world is making up stuff about you. You kind of hinted at athletes who like to use those um, buzzwords like woke media and cancel culture, which obviously comes to mind Aaron Rodgers, who was great at doing it on the Pat McAfee show. I have to say... I owe Aaron Rodgers a little bit of uh, gratitude because he might have been the nail in the coffin that sent Joe Judge packing when before Joe, I don't know if you've seen this, but so Joe Judge, coach of the Giants, was fired on Wednesday afternoon. I believe on either Tuesday or early Wednesday morning, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show and he wasn't even asked about the Giants doing their QB sneak on second and third down in their own zone. But he brought it up himself and was just openly mocking how pathetic that was. And basically, I think to paraphrase his quote was, um, let's see my coach call that in and we'll see what happens. Just saying how pathetic it was of a call. And there is speculation that not directly it being Aaron Rodgers, but the fact that the, the Giants and Joe Judge were such a laughing stock within the NFL that even quarterbacks and players were just openly mocking them on TV and radio that it got to a point where the owners said like, we can't have this because they still have this image that they're a well-respected franchise and they're not one of these lowly franchises, which is unreal considering they have the worst record in the NFL since 2017 or 18. But there is some speculation that this was the, oh my God, everyone's making fun of us. We need to get rid of this guy because he's an idiot. So 
if if Aaron Rodgers did that, hats off to him. <laughs> I guess it's a possibility. Yeah, it seems like a big decision. I, but maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's always possible. But yeah, it does seem. I mean, it's amazing that he kept his job for as long as he did. He wasn't part of the, uh, you know, that clearing Monday. Black where, Monday. Yeah. Where, did you just not want I mean, to the, say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of what they got. But it surprised me. I mean, most of them were predictable. The Dolphins' decision kind of surprised me to get rid of Flores. Kind of, I mean, what more do you have to do in some respects? Yes, they missed out on the playoffs, and they would have come into this season with playoff expectations, and the season was a disappointment. But, you know, they, they've definitely improved during his time there. And, you know, in the second half of the season, they were one of the best teams in the league. I, I would have given him another year. That kind of surprised me. Yeah, I don't think I, – I agree with you completely. So my thinking is that it's probably not performance-based and maybe there was issues within the organization not getting along with the coaches or not getting along with – upper management, something like that. There had to be some other issue going on inside the building because you're right. I mean, they just missed the playoffs this year. He's had a winning record the last two years, and I don't think they have that great of a roster. I mean, you have Tua, who's a second-year QB who came off a major hip injury, and he played pretty well the second half of the season. So they're developing. I mean, they had Waddle ended up playing great that second half of the season. He ended up, I think, over with a thousand yards receiving. So you have a rookie leading the league and lead, leading your team in receiving yards with a second year QB. I think they should have. I agree with you. I think they should have given him more time. It seemed like they were progressing, being a young team and getting better. But maybe the Giants will pick him up. Yeah, I mean, it would be a good hire of all the coaching candidates who are out there and available he you'd think he would be on the top of a lot of people's lists that yeah. certainly he won't struggle to get a job somewhere so that, i mean that was the to me that was the thing that really drove it home for me when people were asking about joe judge and whether you keep him or let him go i forget who it was but someone said if joe judge were fired today is he on anyone's list to be hired as a head coach or at this point even an assistant coach and the answer is clearly no so if that's the case, then why are you still keeping him? You know, if he's not going to get a job as a head coach at least for another 10 years now. Yeah, no, that's probably him done. Unless he does, yeah, he needs to go back into as an, you know, a coordinator and suddenly become one of the desirable assistants. I mean, he wouldn't even be a, a coordinator. He was never even a coordinator. To begin. Like, there's no way someone's going to hire. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's No, but that's his only pass back. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're um, questioning whether to keep a guy that wouldn't even be hired at, or even be considered as an offensive or defensive coordinator at this point. Who knows, though? Did you see, though, the day after he was fired, there was uh, TMZ had <laughs> footage of he got a delivery of nine pizzas and eight cases of beer <laughs> delivered to his house the afternoon that he was fired. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, and I guess on on that note, rather than talking about a head coach who's no longer employed in a football team that's not particularly relevant, we can do our little preview of Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, what a great weekend. It is. Three it's one of my favorites. Yeah. 
I also it's nice because usually, and we've discussed this before too. Usually on Wild Card Weekend, you'll always have one or two teams in there who you just know have no chance. And I mean, we'll get to it a little bit when obviously when we're looking at the spreads. I guess people would argue that might be the Steelers this year. But, you know, in years past, you kind of always think about, I was thinking of like the Saturday game, there being like the Texans playing or something <laughs> where you know, oh, this, they're done. And uh, it always feels like there was a lot of AFC South teams playing on that Saturday where you just didn't give them a real chance. Yeah, they did a good job for the most part, I think, of scheduling the games where you have a decent one to start Saturday and then you have the primetime matchup the Saturday night. The only one that is kind of iffy is the Steelers Chiefs is the Sunday night game. I guess you're highlighting Mahomes and Roethlisberger's last game potentially, but on paper that game looks like a blowout and a boring game. I would rather have been the Niners Cowboys. That'd be a great, I, I don't get why that's not the night game because that those are like two historic franchises, right? Going at it. And it, it'd be a, to, I mean, that to me, I think is probably the game of the week, if not the cards uh, Rams, but yeah, I mean, it's the closest spread. Not that, that there's a lot of huge spreads, um well we can get to that but i guess we start off then as you alluded to kicking things off on the saturday with what would be a saturday afternoon kickoff uh which is the jags at the Bengals, and the Bengals are five and a half point favorites this is a tough one just for the fact that you can never really get a good feel for vegas i know what the Bengals are going to bring they're a a good offensive team. Their defense can hold, but they're not super impressive. But the Bengals win games by outscoring their opponents. And that's what they did the last time they played them when they beat them 32 to 13. So they convincingly outplayed them that game, but that was 10 weeks ago. And the Raiders have looked better as of late. And, you know, 10 weeks ago, when you think about the state of the Las Vegas Raiders, it was in complete disarray at that point. And maybe now they've righted the ship and they're back on track. They have the ninth ninth ranked pass defense. So they have a pretty good pass defense that's going to go against Burrow and Higgins and and, um, uh, what's his face? I can't chase Jamar Chase. What's his face? The offensive rookie of the year. (laughs) Um, It's. I'm worried because all the talk this year was that they need to protect Burrow more. And if they can protect Burrow more, they have a great offense. The issue with that is Burrow led the league in sacks. He had 51 sacks this year, so they didn't really protect him. And now you're going up against a team that has some good pass rushers. Uh, you got uh, uh, Nagoke and Crosby, who yeah. will get to him. And, and also, I mean, the Raiders early in the season, their pass rush wasn't particularly good. And then towards the back end, as they started to fix things, their pass rush really became a weapon. So you're right in that respect that for the Bengals, it feels like a bad matchup. But I think almost everyone is kind of a bad matchup from the Bengals just because they can't protect Burroughs at all. Yeah. So that's going to be an issue against any team. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with the previous result being a legitimate result and not because the Raiders just were, you know, crumbling and falling apart. And I'll take the Bengals to win this. This would be a big win for them. And 
I think they are going to be ready to go. Whereas the Raiders were kind of this team that just made it in at the end and they're maybe just happy to be there. Whereas the Bengals knew they were going to be in and know that there's more to this. So I'll go with the Bengals to win. I'm hesitant on the spread. It is a high spread. I'll take the Bengals to cover, but that to me is a toss up. That's really close. That's getting right on that range of, of, I think it's going to be a close game. So, but I'll take the Bengals to cover. I think I'm in the same camp as you really. I don't, I don't have a total trust in the Bengals. At the same time, it's just hard to know what you're going to get out of this Raiders team. So outside, I feel like there's more reason to trust what the Bengals will do on Saturday. So I'll take the Bengals to win and to cover, but I don't love it. Uh, I, I could see, uh, you know, a, like a game play out where they're getting to Burrow all the time and where Carr is having a good game. But then there's also a scenario where Burrow throws for 350, 400 yards and Derek Carr is just a train wreck. So yeah. I'll take the, I'll take the Bengals. But it's um it's not my most confident selection of the weekend, that's for sure. It is encouraging that Joe Mixon is back. He was put on the COVID list and missed last week the regular season finale, although he probably wouldn't have played anyway. But he is now off the list and is a full participant at practice. So he should be healthy and good to go, which is for them big because then they can couple that pass game with a really good run game this year. So, so that then moves us on to the second game, the Saturday night game, which is... The Patriots at the Bills. The Bills are four-point favorites. Obviously, these two teams split the regular season uh, matchups with the Patriots winning that run game classic uh, earlier in the season and then the Bills pretty comfortably handling them. uh, When was that? Week 17? Was it? Week 16? 16. But week 16. And in this one, the Bills are four-point favorites. So I was very disappointed the first time the Patriots and Bills met because the Bills have a super dynamic, high-scoring offense, but when you put it in a terrible weather condition game, you're you know cutting the legs from under them. The issue here is we might be getting that again. Uh, the weather forecast currently is about five degrees at kickoff and a possibility of snow. That just makes me so angry while we don't play playoff games in domes. It just drives me insane. I, but, but you're, you're, you're kind of, that's a small Island you're on there. Most people love snow games. And I think most people would get excited by the prospect of a wildcard weekend game a Saturday night being out at a bar and watching a game take place in the snow. I think if you're certainly, if you're a neutral in this game, I think most people would be delighted by that idea. I think the thing that surprises me is the bills kind of know that they probably need a team built to survive tough weather conditions. And it feels like they've put together a team that's totally unsuited to playing home games from November onwards. Well, Josh Allen's used to it. Josh Allen, and he came out of that game, the game earlier against the Bill, uh, the Patriots, the home game, in the tough weather conditions. He came out of that looking pretty good because he could at least, his arm is so strong that he was actually <laughs> able to to still pass the ball. But, I mean, just their lack of a, an efficient run. I mean, Josh Allen is their run game. Yeah. This is basically the Patriots against Josh Allen. 
And if they can contain Josh Allen as an offensive threat, then they win. But if Josh Allen is able to get involved in, on the ground and through the air, then the Bills probably just have too much for the, for the Patriots. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with the Bills here. Maybe they've learned what will work a little better in a cold weather game from their previous loss to them. I just think they have a much better roster, and I will definitely trust Josh Allen over Mac Jones, especially how Mac Jones has kind of regressed these last six or seven weeks of the season, minus that great game against the Jags that they blew him out. But in his last four games, he's got five interceptions, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has at least two more this game. I think they'll get to him, and I think he's going to turn it over. It'll give the Bills plenty of opportunities to score, and I think the Bills will towards the end, run away with this game. Uh, I think it, it's going to be a double-digit win here when all is said and done. So I'll take the Bills to win and to cover. Yeah, I'm going to take exactly with you. I, again, the Bills are just a little bit unpredictable and unreliable, and that is a co- that is cause for concern. But they seem to be trending in the right direction, and the Patriots actually, the back end of the season, seem to be going in the wrong direction. Uh, and so I think, you know, the Bills should just have too much for them. So I'll take the Bills to win it to cover. Mac Jones hasn't been as impressive over the last few weeks as he was, particularly during the midseason. Uh, so, and and that's another factor here. You've got a rookie quarterback playing in his first playoff game, and that's on going on the road. That's a, you know, a big, it's a good learning experience for him, but it might be a little bit too much too soon in terms of expecting him to really deliver. So I'll take the Bills to win it to cover. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I guess it comes down to how much would you trust Mac Jones, let's say down 10 away in the cold in his first ever playoff game. I mean, that's a lot to ask. So I think if the Bills can get ahead early, not crazy ahead, but just put some pressure that you have to then have Mac Jones do something, that to me would be the the way they win this game. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, this is always one of those statements that sounds a lot dumber than it is. But this Patriots team is not one that's built to come from behind. So they, no. they do seem like a team, if they're 10 or 14 points down, it's pretty much game over. Just because no the Niners. way that... No, exactly. But, you know, just the way that they play, you don't give them much chance of being able to score, say, 21 unanswered points. And more importantly, to be able to score quickly. It's just not not how they're built. So I agree with you. You know, if the... If the Bills can score, get the first couple scores of the game, then this could be over fast. Now, from a rookie quarterback to the most experienced quarterback in the league, we've got the defending Super Bowl champions making an appearance in wildcard weekend, which probably is a little bit of a disappointment for them. But the Eagles are at the Bucks, and the Bucks are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. This was one at first... I thought was going to be a double digit spread. And I'm wondering if this is flattered one by the fact Tom Brady is losing receivers left and right. And two, whether they're going back to the only time they played, which was much earlier in the season where the bucks beat them by six. I think it was 28, 22. Either way. I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to hang with the bucks here. Sure. Tom Brady is without Antonio Brown and uh, uh, Godwin, but he still has Mike Evans. He still has Gronkowski. Fournette is back, and you still have Tom Brady. So as long as he's the one still throwing, they're going to score points. And 
you have a pass defense that's not very good. They're bottom third in the league. So they give up a ton of touchdowns and Brady will expose them. So he might have four or five touchdown passes. Who knows? The other side of it, obviously, is the Eagles have a great run game. Well, they're running into the Bucks, who are third in the league and run defense. So it's going to be a little tougher to run on the Bucks than it is to run on the Giants in Washington for their last, you know, when they played them four, four times in the last eight weeks, I think it was. So I think the Eagles are being flattered by their schedule a little bit of how good they are. They're running into a solid Super Bowl contending team here, and the Bucks should take care of business and win. I'll have them to win and to cover. Yeah, I'm not an Eagles believer. I haven't been at any point in the season, and I think if they were in a tougher division, they just wouldn't be in the playoffs. The fact that they were kind of handed a couple of wins thanks to the incompetence of other teams that they had to play against rather than their own excellence as is in part why they're here. Jalen Hurts has made, made pretty major strides over the course of the season. I think he's gone from having been someone where you weren't sure if he was an, you know, an NFL starter to now, I think, being pretty cemented in terms of a quarterback that deserves his place. At the same time, I did see ESPN ranked him as the second worst quarterback in the playoffs, which probably seems fair. Um, the interesting thing from the Eagles' perspective, the only way I can see them winning this is if they can get pressure on Brady and if they're able to have a pass rush that, you know, with the Buccaneers don't seem to have an efficient run game at the moment, but then they didn't have a good run game last year until the playoffs when Fournette came alive. Maybe that will happen again, but it's kind of difficult to believe. But, you know, Brady is running out of weapons. I don't think that they're built now to have a long playoff run, but I think they'll win and win this one easily. So they'll win and cover here, but I think this might be the Bucks' only postseason win this season. But... I mean, it was worth noting, obviously. Spoiler Antonio... alert. Yeah. 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 Well, if, I, if it is a spoiler alert, then that's pretty impressive. But uh, <laughs> um, worth noting, I guess, obviously, with Antonio Brown not being involved in this game. Obviously, the last time the Bengals were in the playoffs was that game where you had the, the perfect hit on him late in the game for the penalty, oh, yeah. the unnecessary, which then a lot of people think is the, the moment that – Antonio Brown's personality shifted pretty majorly and when a lot of his what appear to be mental health issues may have started. So interesting from from that perspective. I, I want to go back to you, you saying that um, Jalen Hurts is the second lowest rated QB in this playoffs. Does that mean that Big Ben is the lowest rated or is it Mac Jones? I, I believe it was Roethlisberger. Wow. <laughs> Roethlisberger I below. I mean, even crazier to me is that Mac Jones is then the third worst, third lowest. I shouldn't say. I can't remember. Kind of mean. <laughs> I just remember picking out Jalen Hurts. I can't remember the order, the exact order. Because I mean, there's I mean, a few cannons. Unless you think he's better than Jimmy G, which I don't. I don't. Or Carr, which I don't. No, but it's yeah. No. But speaking of Jimmy G, up next we got the Niners at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are three-point favorites. The Niners obviously snuck into the playoffs in dramatic fashion last week with that comeback, 17-point comeback against the Rams. As a result of that, I feel like this is a pretty good matchup for them against the Cowboys. 
I think it's the game of the week in the sense that I think both of these teams have pretty major flaws and either one of them could put in a real stinker. At the same time, they both seem teams with tremendous perf- uh, potential where over the next few weeks we could see them really put things together and either one of them could go on a possibly on a Super Bowl run. So it's a, it's a difficult game to predict from that perspective. From my feelings on it, it's just... Dak Prescott has been too unreliable over the course of this season and the Cowboys' inability to develop a run game when everything on paper means that they should have a good run game. That worries me when you then go into the postseason. You can get a lot of pressure on your drives from the Niners just because if they are able to put on, you know, put together these seven, eight minute drives where they, where you, and then you just don't feel like you're getting the ball on offense very often. I'll take the Niners to win. And obviously then I'll take the Niners with the three points, but it, you know, I think if you've got too strong of an opinion on this one, you're in a, a weird position. I think this is more of a game that you should really want to watch, but probably for most other reasons, stay away from. Yeah, I actually couldn't agree more here. This is, to me, one of the two primetime matchups here where either team, I think, could make a deep run. I think the other game is the the Cards and the Rams. All four of these teams have the talent and the firepower to make a significant run in the playoffs. This one, the Cowboys-Niners, is really tough because you're matching a great offense, number one ranked offense, versus the Niners defense, which is fifth against the pass and eighth against the run. So they are a very solid defense on both components. And, you know, the Cowboys are a team that can perform on both components. They have a good run game when they need it sometimes, and they have a great pass game with Prescott and Cooper and Lamb and and everybody. So it's going to be a great coaching matchup. And when I say that, I originally was leaning towards Cowboys, but I think Shanahan has the upper hand here versus McCarthy. You and think this is a great, a great coaching? You, you're going to throw Mike I McCarthy think it is. in, and I think it's a great coaching matchup because each team is going to have to find a way to exploit the other team's strength because they don't really have much weaknesses. I think on either of them, you know, you can say the Cowboys defense isn't great, but they're great at taking the ball away and they're great at, you know, kind of bending, but not breaking. So can, the, can Shanahan neutralize Micah Parsons and not have him have three sacks and two forced fumbles, you know? Yeah. I mean, the Niners big weakness is their secondary. So that's, if you're going to exploit them, that's you hit them often and deep, you know, out wide. I think that's, that's where they really have their, their big weakness. From the Niners' perspective, I guess you can kind of neutralize some of the Cowboys' defensive threats just by not by keeping the ball on the ground. So to some extent, some of the Cowboys' playmakers on defense can be taken out of the game just by running the ball consistently. And you know that the Niners are going to run the ball consistently. I th- the stat came up, actually, I think it was during the Rams game, where the Niners have never lost a game under Shanahan when they've run the ball 40 or more times. Now, wow. yeah. Now it is one of those stats which is both revealing and totally meaningless simultaneously because, again, it goes back to the idea of, well, you're going to be able to run the ball 40 or more times if you're leading in a game. Obviously, if you're down, a lot harder to run the ball. So 
they're kind of one of those self-fulfilling statistics, but still interesting. So the key to the game for the Niners, I guess, going into every week is, and Shanahan's good. We've spoken about it, you know, the, the way he gets Debo Samuel involved in the There's no offensive weapon for the Niners that Shanahan won't be able to think of ways to get them involved. I always think that's a major positive for them. But they'll need big performances from Debo Samuel. They'll need big performances from George Kittle. And they'll need second half of Jimmy G from the game (laughs) against the Rams, not the first half, Jimmy G. Yeah, the... I mean, this it, it's just a complete toss-up. This is a game that I will love to watch but not be super invested in. Earlier in the season, I was pretty high on the Cowboys, more so than I was on the Niners. And I truly believe they had the talent to even potentially make it to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to abandon them. They haven't. They had a little mid-season bump. I think part of that maybe was Prescott when he got hurt and came back and he wasn't 100% for a while. But I think they have a lot of talent on this team. And eventually it's got to click. I mean, this is the team that you say every year has the talent and can click. But maybe this is the year. So I'll take the Cowboys to win and to cover. I could do the annoying thing and hedge my bet and take the Niners with the points. But I'll take the Cowboys to win and the Cowboys to cover. And we then wrap things up. Well, Did no. you officially make your pick? Oh, I did. Uh, actually, I don't know if I did. I'm, yeah, no, I did. I did. I said I was taking the Niners and the Niners okay. with the three points. But I say wrap things up. I'm skipping one game. Next up, we've got Steelers, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 13 point favorites. You know, the, the biggest, heaviest favorites of the weekend. Obviously, quite possibly Ben Roethlisberger's curtain call uh, as a, in the NFL. Uh, kind of changing of the guard moment, I guess, in some respects. Not that Ben Roethlisberger has ever been the best quarterback uh, in the NFL, I don't think. I don't think anyone would have at any moment over the course of his career said he was absolutely the best playing. But at the same time, it's just, you know, one generation kind of handing over to the next and Mahomes being part of that next group looking to be the sort of dominant quarterback class in the NFL. I'll keep this one simple. I just don't see how this Steelers team can in any way keep up with the Chiefs. Just the Steelers have struggled to score points all season. And even if Mahomes has been subpar for much of the season, and even if you, it's a little bit concerning that obviously with that Steelers pass rush, they could be getting to him a lot. He could be making mistakes. I still just think they'll have too much. The 13 points is quite high. I'll still take the Chiefs to win and to cover, but... I'm all, I'm tempted to take the points, but I think it just if you're telling me the Chiefs score 35 points, which obviously seems entirely possible, they they clearly cover this spread. So for that reason, I'll, I'll I'm leaning that way. I'm with you. I, this is a Chiefs team that can put up a ton of points, and this is a Steelers team that cannot put up points. Their defense is deceiving because they do have a good pass rush, but they still leak a lot of points, the Steelers' defense. So it's not as even if, you know, they they hold teams really well. They do give up a ton of points. And if you're playing a Chiefs team and you give up more than 30, there's no way the the Steelers are going to keep that close. Uh, They just – they don't have the offense to do it. So unless this game – 
gets really out of hand and you the Chiefs have four turnovers, this should be an easy Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs will cruise in this game. I'll take them to win and to cover. And then and then now the final game of the weekend. We wrap things up on Monday night with a, another divisional clash. The Cardinals, the Rams, and the Rams are four-point favorites. Yeah, this is another good game. I mean, this is what I said before. I really feel either of these teams has the talent to at least make it to the AFC Championship. You know, the cards with Kyler Murray, you, you kind of never know what you're going to get in terms of is he healthy, is he not healthy. He seems like he's close to being 100%. They have been really conservative. If you watch their games the past few weeks, it's as almost that they're telling him to not run the ball, you know, kind of try and stay and throw and, and sit in the pocket and get rid of it. Maybe that's just a precaution because they knew they were going to make the playoffs and wanted him fully healthy. And maybe now that he's in the playoffs, they'll kind of unleash him a little bit and let him let him scramble and run a little more and maybe have some designed runs, which they really weren't calling very much of. That could be a factor. The thing that scares me is they just haven't been the same without Hopkins. They're only averaging 20.8 points per game since Hopkins has been out. And that's a big drop off from what they were doing before. And you can tell just in the wins and losses, you know, they're, they're not winning as much without Hopkins. The Rams, I don't know. They're, they're good. I thought they were a Super Bowl contender when we started, you know, our preseason picks. I'm not as high on them as I was. They just don't seem consistent. This is a toss up. I want to hear what you're going to say first. I want to see your picks first before I give you mine. <laughs> that might be cheating, I think. But look, you know my feelings on the Cardinals. Just as the season has worn on and injuries have taken their toll, there's no doubt that the, the Cardinals we saw early in the season, they were one of the best teams in the league, possibly, I think, for a number of weeks, the best team in the league. And the speed with which just their offense played was just terrifying at times. But as you pointed out, without Hopkins, Murray just seems a little bit worn down from the hits that he takes. He takes hits every game. He also seems at times a little bit sort of checked out. He has a sort of really weird way of carrying himself at, at moments. I just can't trust them to to put together. I, I think he even saw it last week in the performance against the Seahawks. Just they have issues everywhere almost. Uh, and the Rams, their big issue is Stafford. Stafford just does dumb things. The rest of their team is is really good, but they Stafford is hard to trust that he can put together four quarters of mistake free football. But in spite of that fact, I'm going to take the the Rams. I'll take the Rams to win and to cover. I don't know if you saw, but Stafford's wife urged the fans to not sell their tickets to Cardinals fans because last week when the Niners played, the stadium was pretty much pro Niners versus the Rams. And she was, the quote was, I've never seen this before and I don't want to see it happening again, which I don't know how she's never seen that before. He spent 10 plus years in Detroit when they had no fans. So that <laughs> blows my mind. She makes that statement. <laughs> but I do think it's a very LA specific problem, right? Both the Chargers and the Rams have suffered from and the fact Vegas. that home. And, and Vegas to a degree, but, def, but like both LA teams for a long time 
home games have often been seem like road games. And and McVeigh commented on the fact that they were supposedly surprised by the number of Niners fans in attendance last week. I mean, I don't even think it's an issue of necessarily always Rams fans selling tickets. In a sense, I just think there's not that many Rams fans in LA. So, you know, you're, you're kind of, people are going to, from my perspective, it's people who are going to sporting live sporting events because it's a thing to do. But it's not like you have some, you know, huge number of diehard Rams fans in LA. It's a downside to moving a team. Unfortunately, that's the kind of, that's what Stan Kroenke has to pay for. But yeah, I, I'm I'm sure there'll be a decent number of Cardinals fans in attendance. But even with that, even if you told me this game was being played in Arizona, it wouldn't actually change my pick. Yeah, I've been back and forth on this. Uh, I will take the cards to cover. They have lost four of their last five besides the Seahawks game, which is just a weird game. They've been competitive in all of them, even when they lost to the Rams uh, 30 to 23 about five weeks ago. So I'll take the cards with the points and I'll take the cards to pull off the upset here. I think, I think they've been holding back Murray to try and get him as healthy as possible for a playoff run. And I think he's going to be a little unleashed here and they're going to have designed runs for him. And he's going to cut some holes in this defense and be able to score enough to, to beat these Rams and, and hope Stafford gets a few turnovers. So I'll take the cards to win. Maybe wishful thinking, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a it's they're impossible to dismiss, right? They can they can be so good when they're good, so it's impossible to rule out the possibility of them winning this game. That's for sure. And again, you can't trust Matthew Stafford. And, you know, you kind of saw that, and you can't kind of you can't trust Sean McVay even to a degree in big moments. I mean, ever you know he he has weird play calling in situations where I even think back to last week when the Niners punted inside the two minute warning. And all right, they had timeouts, but the fact that you give them the ball back with enough time, you know, like a first down ends the game and you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, again, another good game to watch. I think having too yeah. strong of an opinion on this one is is also weird, but I think the Rams are just better. Hey, you know, when you can't trust McVay anymore, when he has a lead at halftime, because finally that stat is finished. McVeigh was 45 and 0 when leading at halftime, but after his collapse at the Niners game, he is now 45 and 1. Do you know who held the streak for second longest consecutive wins when leading at halftime at 42 games? This is current or this is all-time all-time coaching. I'll take Belichick. It was Belichick. 42 games. Yeah, McVay broke that earlier this season by winning 45 in a row when leading at half. In a weekend, I guess, there one other major talking point, which we I think we mentioned on the last episode, Chelsea and City, well, City at home, City playing Chelsea uh, on, I think City are at home, on the Saturday lunchtime kickoff in the Premier League, which very much feels like a, an opportunity for, for City to kind of almost win the league. If they win that one, the gap just starts to become so big. And then when you throw in that also Liverpool will be missing players, key players with the African Cup of Nations 
taking place at the moment. So they're missing uh, Salah and Sané. Seems difficult to imagine anyone really catching City anyway, but certainly if they win this one, the gap would just feel too large. Yeah, I think Liverpool will get a little lucky because they're playing Brentford, right, on Sunday. So they can maybe still get a point out of that, maybe even three. You're right, it will be tough with you know some of your major <laughs> scores out but they are and i think they're a game they have a game in hand as well so i i yeah i think after this weekend you might even be saying if liverpool wins and city wins you might be looking at liverpool being the only chance to make this somewhat competitive uh chelsea haven't looked spectacular recently and i am with you i think city's gonna thromp them <laughs> Oh, return of the thromp. Return of the I don't thromp. know if you saw, speaking of the African combinations, I don't know if you saw the controversial refereeing performance that took place this yes, week. Yes, I actually was going to bring this up because I wanted you to explain it because I only saw it in Instagram posts where like they kind of detailed it and it didn't make full sense to me and sounded insane. So yeah, let, yeah it was insane. It. it was insane. So this was during the Tunisia-Mali match uh, yesterday. I think it was. So Wednesday, if you're now listening, or Thursday, if you're now listening. No, Wednesday, if you're listening to this. Um, basically, the referee blew for full time in the 85th minute. So five minutes early, which is obviously in and of itself already an unusual move. Basically got informed that he this was unacceptable. And there was a lot of injury time too, right? Wasn't there like there should at have least going to be five minutes or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the state of play at this time is Molly were winning 1-0. One, one he and then where was had it being to, played? Oh, I actually don't know where the African Cup of Nations is taking place. That's a okay. So it wasn't at like a home. No, no, this is a tournament field or anything. So okay. Um, he then restarted the game. He sent off a Mali player then in the 87th minute, and VAR intervened and said that's not a red card. Reverse your decision, and he refused to reverse his decision. So he stuck with the red card and then he blew for the full-time whistle again early in the 89th, well, in the 90th minute, but at 89.40. So 20 seconds ahead. And that's including if you then throw in the fact that during the four and a half minutes in which play had restarted, he'd sent a player off and then also had a VAR check. So just kind of incredible. Um, a very controversial ending to the match. I'm sure probably the end of his refereeing career on the international stage. Now, but, what's the, I mean, what's this, the potential reasoning? Are people thinking he was gambling on the game and he had Molly one nil or something? Like what? I don't, I don't even get it. Did he just I, like, did the wires get crossed and he just blacked out and had no idea what's going on? I haven't really seen any explanation from his side of things. Obviously, for anyone speculating that he, it's match fixing, the fact that when the game restarted, he sent a Mali player off, that makes it seem like it would be unusual. It would be a weird move but on his Eddie, part. Is that does he do that purposely knowing he's just going to recall time again? But now that he sent the Molly player off, he's like, why would it be match fixing? I just sent him off. Oh, game's over. Sorry. 
It's true. It's not the worst double bluff. That's his intricate way of trying to bluff. Yeah, trying to throw <laughs> throw everyone off the scent. It, it's true. And in a sense, with me, it's worked. So if that is what he was doing, then <laughs> fair, fair play to him. But I, Not fair play, though. <laughs> no. In the game of FIFA. But just, I mean, just unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, this is a this is a major international tournament. So to have this kind of refereeing mistake take place is sort of unbelievable. I mean, the only thing that it in any way comes close to this is when was that the 26, 20, whichever World Cup it was, where Graham Pohl, the English referee, gave, I think it was a Croatian player, three yellow cards and didn't send him off. I think that's that's the only time I can really think of someone making such a just major mistake on the international at an international level, but not a great look. And the African Cup of Nations is always trying to fight to get gain more respect globally. I think it doesn't get a lot of attention really from people, you know, non-Africans when it comes to in terms of watching it. And and this doesn't help. The other thing that really got a lot of attention too was Egypt in their match against Nigeria. You know, I mean, people would think of 4-4-2 as being the, in the past, what was this typical situation, right? Uh, formation. So four defenders, four midfielders, two attackers. That's over time changed a lot more and you see a lot of 4-5-1s and 3-5-2s now. Um, Egypt lined up in a formation I've never seen before, which was 5-5-0. <laughs> just no one up front started the game just five defenders five midfielders no one up front just uh and unsurprisingly lost they lost one one nil so they set their stalls out to defend and couldn't keep a clean sheet didn't work <laughs> anything else uh from the week or from this weekend that's caught your eye no not not particularly i mean i'm just tuned in for three days of nfl here so it's going to be nice. I do have my Sunday is going to be a little tough because I have my division five hockey championship. <laughs> Don't let the division five fool you. There's technically only two divisions, division two and division five, but somehow, <laughs> we, somehow we've skipped one, three and four. I don't understand how this, how this happened, but I don't, the don't let the is, don't let the hockey fool you either. It's, it's, it's roller <laughs> hockey. But it's funny because it's the lower tier div- division. It's like the lower division. But the two teams that have made it are basically just the upper division teams with like a mix of players. So it's not like the same teams, every division. They've just mixed, but they're still the same quality. So the rest of the league was pretty upset when both of us kind of cruised through the the regular season and playoffs. So. It'll be a good game, but the unfortunate is it's right in between the first and second game. So I'm what I'm hoping is that the first game is kind of a blowout and I don't have to kind of watch as I'm playing because it's there's a bar on the side with some TVs. So like when you're playing or in stoppages, you can kind of like sneak a look and see what the score is. So I'm hoping I don't have to do that. And then it should finish right before the start of the Cowboys Niners game. So it'll give me time to to go home and settle in and watch that one because I think that's probably going to be the game of the week and and who's the favorites heading into this heading into the championship Ooh, i don't know i think i think we had the best record in the regular season 
I don't remember when we played them in the regular season, though. I think it was super early, but we're probably the better team. We should win. I did get a sports massage in anticipation of this to kind of get the legs nice and loose today. And it was the most painful thing. Oh, yeah? Oh, sports just massage like a deep, the worst. Just deep muscle. Yeah. Like the point is you kind of almost want to bruise and have your – it felt like she took a baseball bat to my legs and I got mugged. But hoping in two days it will feel better. It usually feels better the next day or two days later. But – I think I was just a little, I hadn't had one in about a, a few months. So I think I was a little mentally not prepared for it, but they are brutal. Did you pull the Deshaun Watson during it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things too where it's like, I can't even imagine it because I'm in so much pain during this massage. That I mean, he's not going to a, a sports massage. I mean, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Unless no, that's I mean, he his thing, and that's just crazy. The pain, the pain gets <laughs> then, you him know going. What? Yeah, that's that's messed up. <laughs> yeah. No. So I know you did go out with Vasilis, who our listeners are always eager to get more Vasilis stories out of. Our what, what do we term him? Our quirky Greek friend <laughs> is his new moniker. Any good? Vasilis stories from the past few nights. I don't think so. He's not certainly not by his standards. Nothing. He did eat three burgers yesterday. Oh, this was a question I had. I wanted to bring up. So I saw you at all went out for drinks and dinner and he had put up pictures of him eating cheeseburgers. Why were the cheeseburgers cut into quarters with toothpicks in them? That so it's a thing. Outrageous. So it's a thing like the bar we go to, Bugsy's. It's one of the things. It's not on the menu. It's an off-menu order, but they do do it. It's supposed to be like a way of sharing, like a group order for burgers. So you get no fries, no sides with it at all. You just get a cheeseburger that they've quartered and then put a tooth toothpick in it. Kind of like a club sandwich experience, basically. The idea being they bring you a plate, you share it, and everyone can take a quarter of a burger. So you're not That's really ordering outrageous. a meal. Who's eating a quarter of a burger? Come on. Well, the idea Either is you eat the burger or don't. <laughs> so usually they provide one burger for every – if you place that order, each person gets a burger's worth. That's kind of the – that is the idea behind it. Now, Vasilis ordered it, got three of burgers. He ate two and a half of them. He, there we he, go. <laughs> he was offering he was offering them to other people, but only half of the only two people grabbed a, a quarter. But he just ate all of it, and I think he could have eaten. He finished that and said, "Ah, oh, should I order something else? I'm still hungry." Keep in mind, he'd already had dinner at this point, so he'd had dinner at like eight o'clock. This is only ten thirty that he's then had these two and a half burgers, and then he still wanted more food. I I need to get Vasilis to the states. I, I would love to get Vasilis to the States and hire a like private, I don't know, if, not photographer, but like a, a video person to just record him every meal as I take him out to these places that just serve huge portions and see what he can do. Because for his size, he can eat a ton. And I just want to, I want to see his eyes light up when I take him to some of the places that give you like 
huge breakfast portions or like a massive burger. I just want to see his face when he sees these. I mean, he's obviously got a great metabolism. He's got that going for him. But the issue is, I mean, he's like a dog. He just, he would eat himself to death <laughs> if given the opportunity. You know, he well, would like just. We went to Royal Ascot and he ate so much. He was sick for two days. Yes. And then still ate during that period, even though he knew that the reason why he was sick was that he'd overeaten. But still, during that period, couldn't turn down pizza and. And a chicken. And, and, and a sandwich. Yep. But no, he, he'll he just, if you put food in front of him, he will eat it. And so that's the problem. It, it's also f- fascinating because he he regularly complains that he has a gluten intolerance, that he's lactose intolerant, but then he'll devour a cheeseburger. You know, so it's like the gluten only, the gluten, <laughs> it's, it stops him from drinking beer, but not from eating cheeseburger. He, he will occasionally, like when he was eating the cheeseburger yesterday, after a while, he took the bun off the top of the burger and then was just eating the bottom bun and the meat as if somehow this was reducing his gluten issues. I mean, I guess you could say he's eating less gluten at that point, but he was still eating a lot of gluten. But, um, you know, when and where his various food intolerances appear, it's you'll never know. But now he um, – no – no amazing stories on on his side of things over the last couple of days. I'm sure this weekend he'll he'll deliver. I mean, he's claiming he's going to eat 100 wings on Sunday. So during the playoffs, I'll get to see if wow. I'll, be, I'll be sweating <laughs> out the Niners-Cowboys game and he'll be trying to eat 100 chicken wings. Wow, two different, awesome. Two different flavors. To, I can't wait to see it. He's going to try and do 50. There's like a whiskey bacon... Uh, maple uh, mix. It's actually nice. It sounds very sweet, though. But it sounds. It like is super. Too sweet. It is super sweet. It's super sweet. And then just traditional. Uh, I would like unsauced. Can we just do plain unsauced wings? So he does buffalo. He does buffalo, and it's a pretty. It's a. It's a relatively hot buffalo sauce at times. Yeah, I don't like. And that. then mixes that, and he likes it because you get the hot with the the sweet. So you kind of cool your <laughs> mouth down. You know, you eat one and then eat the other. It is actually kind of a nice, yeah. (laughs) It is kind of a nice combination, but yeah, he, um, yeah. Is there a chance he can eat a hundred? What do you think? A hundred percent. Really? Yeah. A hundred wings is a lot of wings. It is. We once watched him eat a whole chicken in like four minutes. I know, but that's the equivalent of maybe. 15 20 wings 20 not in wings, terms of maybe. not in terms of meat it's not you know when you really think about it there's not you know when you're eating a whole chicken breast and but like, it's more fat yeah a lot but of I, fat with the fryness i mean he wants to do this he's not going to do it just sit down and non-stop eat wings till he's eating 100 he wants like three four hours where he can take a break every once in a while you know he'll so be it's paring. 100 wings basically over two meals almost a hundred wings in an evening. So he's got like a four-hour window, pretty much, okay. when he can still when the kitchen will be open. So, so twenty-five wings an hour. You're looking at yeah. He'll so do it two easily. orders every hour. Oh, that will be, that last order might be a little tough. I think he could do two hundred. Genuinely, <laughs> I mean, I put it this way: there's kind of no number. There's kind of no number that you could tell me, and I wouldn't believe it if we could remove the time factor. 
there's almost if you told me Vasilis was gonna eat a thousand wings on Sunday and he was showing up at 9 a.m and then kitchen open till 11 I'd kind of believe that he could do it because I've never seen him turn food down <laughs> like ever I've been out with him tons of times where I I want to finish something I go you want to finish this oh absolutely like always doesn't matter if it doesn't go well with what he's eating it doesn't matter what if mixing it with what he drink you know yesterday he was eating he was drinking strawberry mojitos with <laughs> No, raspberry mojitos, sorry. With while eating a cheeseburger. Oh god. <laughs> you know? Let me ask you this then. Do you think he can eat more wings than you? Oh, not not close. I think not close what? He would beat me it would be oh. a landslide. You know, I, I, I think I could eat forty wings before there'd be there's two issues here. After a while with wings, I get kind of grossed out just by the process of eating wings. You know what I mean? Like there's a moment where it just after what it just kind of feels weird. There's a mental moment where I'm like, I've had enough of the wing concept now. Like if they were boneless, <laughs> boneless I could I could do oh, more. Yeah. All day. But dealing with the actual eating and just your you know, all the mess that you've got going on and just kind of being like, oh, I just don't feel good about myself that I'm like covered in sauce and my face is covered in sauce and i'm like just, sweating yeah i'm just gnawing food off the meat off the bone i think 40 is my tap out number i, I honestly we i we need to get Vasilis to the states and we'll just do a food challenge tour I, it would just be amazing to see him one just the face he makes when the challenge is presented to him and then him experiencing it and trying it and just his general reaction. I can just imagine it being so much fun to sit back and watch him do these insane food challenges that he probably would have no chance to complete, but thinks he would. Oh, he would definitely talk himself into any food challenge. I don't know the ones he'd be best suited to. The, the time-related ones are not his strength. Yeah. So anytime, like I'd be interesting, for example, I mean, one he would never do is like when we went to, um, what was a grilled cheese place in Cleveland? What's it called? Grilled. No. Something like that. It's something like Melt. It's called Melt. Melt. <laughs> melt. <laughs> <laughs> that he obviously wouldn't do because of the cheese and the bread. But I'd be interested to oh, see him yeah. take on something. That's going of... to be an issue. Yeah. He's going to have to find like a gluten-free food challenge. A wing challenge is his, but a lot of times but too, most the wing challenges are, are like related. heat. And he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't like heat, but he certainly has no interest in doing a heat-related challenge. So yeah, we'd have to think hard about what would be maybe a huge A steak. barbecue one would be good. You can find him a good barbecue one or a big steak one, like the yeah. old 96er or something like yeah. that. Where he has to sign a waiver before he eats it in case he has a heart attack. Yeah. Oh, you can take him to the heart attack grill in Las Vegas. That's where they do that. They legit make you sign the waiver. And that's what the restaurant's called. I'd also just like to see him do eat as much wings as he could at Hooters. Because that would then be good to see him try and focus on the wing eating aspect of it with the environment around him, obviously causing him to go crazy. <laughs> For those of us who have heard 
for those who have heard previous Facilis stories, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. He has, he will get distracted easily. <laughs> you say that, but he once attended a sex party and focused on the food. So I think if the if the <laughs> if the food if the food was good enough, I think there's nothing that can distract him. Literally, he can have a bunch of naked people fucking all around him, and the only thing he cares is like how good is this? How good are these? These buffalo mozzarella sticks. Oh, Vasilis. Poor Vasilis. Well, I guess with that, we can call it a wrap. Talk to you later. See ya.